You can choose your friends, but not your family. Okay, that's an old saying. Everyone's heard it. But I want to ask you today, what word comes to mind for you when you think of your family? You know, those people that you didn't choose and who also didn't choose you, unless, of course, you were adopted, but they became your family. And whatever word first comes to mind for you, our word in this episode about family is from. You are, for better or worse, from your family. I'm Kelly J. Grace, and you're listening to Divine Connections, episode 32. This is a podcast about connecting divine truth, that's God's word, to your everyday life. And today we're talking family, and it hardly gets more every day than that. And this is the fourth in a seven-part series about the short but powerful words that define our relationships. You know, God set up how new families would start way back when he began the very first family by creating Eve and introducing her to Adam as his wife. Now, I think we shared in another one of these episodes from Genesis 2.24. But in that passage, it says, this is actually God speaking, and he says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, did you catch it? That little word there, a man shall leave, and leaving is fromness. <laughs> it means that you've come from them into that place of creating a brand new family. We are all from a family. But for most of us, at some point in life, we leave our birth family to go out and start another family, even if it's just a family of one. But you know, the ties that bind us are strong. And that's often a good thing. In fact, a great thing and a real blessing. It can, however, be a problem. Because really, before we're from, we are of. And that means we have a lot of that family in us. All kinds of things, things like physical things, uh, maybe being tall or having gorgeous eyes, or maybe a tendency to baldness and saggy skin. It's all there, hardwired and pre-programmed in our DNA. And you know, as kids, we often pick up from our family habits and preferences, even our political leanings and affiliations, then our thoughts about all kinds of things, things like um, what kind of tree makes the very best Christmas tree and how you should actually celebrate certain holidays. So things large and small, big momentous things and mundane things get absorbed throughout our life at home and they really become part of us. And we take those things with us when we go out and start a new family, but they tie us to that family that we are from. So in this series, we're looking at seven words that define our relationships. And we started in that tightest, most inner circle 
of our own spiritual life and our personal relationship with God. That is kind of the centermost ring if we were diagramming this. And then we moved outward to our spouse. And then the next week outward, one more ring to our children. And now we've reached those people who are in the fourth ring of our ever-widening circle, our parents and our siblings. You know, I've known people who had absolutely terrific families, and they're very close to their siblings' families as well, even as adults. And they've got, you know, their sister and brother-in-law and all those cousins all together. They have huge holiday celebrations. They share family vacations. And, you know, they have a lot of things like that in common, and those things add a rich depth of experience for their young children. In fact, I was uh, reading a book. I, I think of this as a delicious book. Every, everyone who wants to have a happy family should read this book. It is called, in fact, The Secret of Happy Families by Bruce, and I think it's pronounced Filer, F-E-I-L-E-R. And Bruce shares the story in his book of a family that reads a letter from the patriarch of their family at the conclusion of their annual three-day summer family gathering. And the thing about it is the letter was written over 110 years ago, and every successive generation has kept that tradition alive of gathering for a summer get-together and then reading that letter. I think that's incredible. That what a what a heritage, what a legacy, right? For kids to have to have heard from someone that many generations ago, and it does give a kind of cohesiveness, a weeness about our family. This is us. We are. I think that was a TV show, right? This is us. There's a sense in which that's a really good thing to give to your children. But you know, in in as many good things as there are. In a family, there can also be some things on the flip side, right? There can be a lot of pressure that comes, um, a lot of expectations. Those ties I mentioned earlier, they often are attached to expectations, expectations about things like where you're going to live, how you'll spend the holidays, and where you will spend them, with whom will you spend them, and then vacations. And then other things like maybe how much you'll get involved in family problems um, and then solving them. So each one, along with many other expectations, has in it a potential as an area of conflict with the family that you are from. So the thing we're focusing in on is not just about our relationships, but actually how they tie back to our relationship with God. Again, we call this divine connections because I try to relate everything back to your own walk with God. So here is the most important thing for you and I as believers when it comes to the families that we were raised in. As believers, we've been adopted into the family of God. And that means that now our closest allegiance really does belong to God. And to a certain extent, to that new family of brothers and sisters in Christ that we have. Now, I want to share a couple of passages with you just 
to kind of lay the groundwork for this. This is John 1, 12 through 13. It says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, like our family here on earth, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So by the will of God, you have been brought into his family. You've been given the right to be a child of God. Now, Romans 8.15 says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So again, that idea that we have been given the right, we've been um, made part of the family of God, actually by the will of God, and we've been received by adoption as sons, so we cry out to God and call him Abba, Father. Now, Jesus did not shy away from the conflict that this change might stir up in some people's lives. In fact, he made it clear to those who believed in him that they were born again into a new life and into God's family. And that radical change, that transformation, that translation from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus said plainly that that might separate some people from their birth families. Now, in Ghana, where we've ministered for years in West Africa, we've had many students come through the Bible training center there who have shared with us that they've been virtually cast out by their families and thrown out of their homes because they converted to Christianity. And some of them, of course, came from the northern part where there's um, there are more Muslims. And so leaving that faith and converting to Christianity costs those people many times everything, some even at the threat of their life. But others left their traditional religion there in Ghana, the different local gods and deities that they worshipped, and that also caused them to be cut off from their families of birth, the people that raised them. So it's true that as Christians, we can suffer persecution even from our own families when we put our faith in Christ and make that a priority. But thankfully, for most of us, the, the situation is not that drastic. It's not that dramatic. But still, the idea of making Jesus the center of, say, a Christmas celebration instead of having Santa Claus, that can spark a lot of criticism and judgment um, among our family, especially in the early years of us walking with God when it's when it's kind of new to our family and they... They're trying to come to grips with this change that we've made. And I will tell you, in all honesty, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it it brings some conviction into their life, or they think we're judging them. So, you know, and the same thing that happens, it comes up again at Easter time when maybe you don't want to have little Easter baskets and do the whole bunny thing. You want to talk about the fact that Christ has risen from the dead and, you know, the grandparents just don't get it or something. They think you're depriving your kids of some 
fun little ritual that you had as a child. So these these changes that come about because we've come to faith, they can have consequences with that family that we are from. They can engender some conflict. So, you know, as we grow closer to God and our lives and our habits conform more and more to what we discover in the scriptures, we'll sometimes find ourselves distanced from some of the family traditions that we were raised with. And that's normal, but just fair warning, it can provoke conflict as our path and our practices in life diverge away from those of our family that we are from. So, you know, I just want to encourage you to trust God with this, to pray about it and to be at peace with others as much as you can, yet without compromising your walk as a child of God. I want you to rejoice that you're part of a forever family, the family of God, and give thanks for that family that raised you, that cared for you, and honor your father and mother as much as you can without compromising, as I said, your own faith, your walk with God. And, you know, I'd really be interested to know if you've ever experienced any kind of family friction because you're a child of God, because you came to Christ and maybe some of your family, your mom and dad, your siblings, they just don't get it. So I'd be interested to know, how did you deal with that? And I'd love to hear from you over on Instagram. You can find me at Kelly J. Grace on Instagram, and I would love for you to just drop that in the comments on any post at all. I'll find it. Now, Next up in this series is the word that will help us understand our relationship with others in the family of God. So we're moving out one more rung, and yet the kind of conundrum that we have is even though we've moved out a rung from our birth family, the truth is, and you've probably experienced this already if you've walked with the Lord very long, if you're part of a church family that you love, those people can become closer to you than anyone in your family who isn't also a believer because you share with them a fellowship in Christ and you are part with them of the family of God. So it's an incredible thing. And God has a lot to say to you and me about the privilege and the blessing of being part of the family of God. So that's what we're talking about next. The word that can help us really understand what's crucial about that relationship. So I will see you then.